Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 115. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the feline Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about legacy. Why am I why am I cat like? Well, you have cats. You're you're uh, one of the only people I know who owns cats or owned cats. Do you still have those cats? Yeah, I still have two cats. Yeah. Oh, two? Uh, like, I think I had I, at least four. No, just just two. My wife's my wife's cat before we got together and my cat Luna which got uh, pushed on me from a student that I told to talk to my wife, and I ended up with a cat. Wait a second. Before you got together, how long do cats live? Uh, I don't know, like 10 or 15 years, maybe maybe 10. Same oh, as more than 10. Luna's All like right. five now. Yeah. Wow. Well, the reason I'm thinking about this is because I don't think I mentioned it, but when I moved out here, there was a, a cat, a, a, a kitten mm-hmm. called, the babies, a kitten that had just been born that kept hiding under the tire of my neighbor's car. When I would take out the trash, I would see it. Yep. And I figured it was their cat. But then I I realized that it, I don't think it was their cat because it was just too little to be outside. Mm-hmm. So I started leaving out milk for it. And now it's, it's actually getting cold. It's like on our porch now. Oh, uh, I think you have a cat now. Yeah, I haven't let it in the house, but like, I, I don't know what to do with this thing. Like, does it need to go to the vet? Does it need to eat food? Does it just eat milk? I don't know. I mean, probably all of the above. And when it gets really cold, what's going to happen is it's still going to be on the porch and you're going to let it in and you're going to have a cat because you're going to bring it to the vet the next day and um, you're you're going to have a cat and a dog. Yeah, I've never had a cat, man. I've never really thought of myself as a cat person, so maybe this will be turned over a new leaf in my life. <laughs> oh, you're not a lifelong cat? Official. No, I was I was dog all the way. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so. But Luna's, Luna's awesome, so is Sammy. And uh, I'm glad I have them as pets, for sure. Rock and roll. <sighs> yeah, bro. So what's what's going on with you? What's new in your life? Uh, remote teaching is like 24-7, getting emails from kids. It's way more work than actually going to work, so I hate it. Um, I'm not playing as many video games because I'm building online assessments and uh, calling people who haven't been able to log in to make sure. Like I feel like I'm tech support and teaching, and uh, this, this is just so much stuff going on. It's crazy. Oh, it's a huge pain in the ass. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Yep. So we, we still only have 90% of our kids actually coming to school. So we're all in charge of trying to reach out to all the kids that aren't coming. And uh, oh, it's it's just crazy. But you're a high school teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, are, you, are your classes like spanning the age groups or are they like mostly juniors and seniors? Mostly juniors and seniors. I have one class of sophomores. Um so, yeah, they're mostly the older kids. So is 90% pretty normal? Because it seems like I'm trying to remember back to when I was in high school, and I would say that maybe, you know, I don't know, 5%, maybe 10% of the kids just sort of dropped out senior year. Well, like 5% might be absent on a given day, but we've had 10% of our kids not show up at all all year, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So Yeah. So yeah. that's above, above average is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty crazy, but it, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, there's problems. There's people who don't have internet or computers or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, but we gave computers to everybody and uh, had programs for free internet access. But 
I, I think there are just too many people who are having issues that don't know where to go for help. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that sucks, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. So what, uh, I, I listened to our podcast from like two weeks ago today mm-hmm. and there were a bunch of things that I said on that podcast. I haven't been like listening to our cast religiously anymore. Uh, I don't think I ever listened religiously, but I used to at least see what you'd cut from the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I listened to the one from two weeks ago and I made a lot of incorrect statements that I, I felt like I wanted to correct before we started. Okay. The What's the $750 correction? <laughs> uh, we'll stand back and stand by for this one. So oh, Jesus. the problem with the subscription service, we we're talking about the subscription service on Moto. Yeah. And how that would affect the economy. One thing that, I didn't mention at the time, and, and I don't know why, I guess I wasn't thinking about it, was how are they going to prize people at that point? Because right now they're they're prizing with game pieces, right? Oh, okay. So, like, you're, you're talking about what would happen if tickets lost a little bit of value because people had the cards already. Uh, no, we're talking how, about... If, how would, like, the treasure chests work? Yeah, if Moto moved to a strictly subscription model is what we were talking about two weeks ago. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a, a throwaway discussion, but I, I felt like we didn't actually come to the right conclusion because we missed that pretty big part of it where it it doesn't the, the cards don't have value anymore, so they can't prize us out in treasure chests, right? They would have to oh, actually they, prize they prize out. they prize you out in paper cards they send to you. Yeah. They just have more pro tour qualifiers or tournaments where winning um means a lot more you get like prize a tournament for alternate art cards that you can't get they, there's plenty of stuff that they could do for prizes i guess that is true they could actually just have a whole bunch of qualifiers like you know getting every five trophies qualifies you for a thing that can make a thousand dollars or something mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point so that was something i wanted to mention because i didn't feel like we really covered it very well Something else that I said was that I liked the new fetch lands more than the the old fetch lands. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the Z3. Oh, yeah. I was judging you hard on that. Bro, I was thinking of the secret lair fetch lands. Oh, okay. Those looked a little nicer. Yeah. With like the wa- yeah. Okay. I, I hadn't actually seen, apparently I hadn't seen these new ones. Because when you said the computer border, I was like, what is he talking about? I think he's thinking of the old ones. I actually saw them. They're, they're really bad. So. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with your point there. I was thinking of the secret layer ones, which are pretty decent. And also the the Death Shadow Tarmogoyf that we talked about. I don't know the exact name. It's like Sky of the Clave or something. Scourge of the Sky Clave mm-hmm. is... This isn't really a correction or anything. I've just been thinking about it more because I've been playing with it in Limited. I think it, it kind of has the potential to go goif more than I gave it credit for. And we haven't really seen this yet in mm-hmm. Legacy. In, in the I, There was actually one in the challenge this past weekend, but I think that it's a little better than we, we talked about originally because the life loss is a little more trivial than I thought, and mm-hmm. the, the number of plow decks is, is lower than I think we'd seen in the previous meta. So okay. like there's a lot of times that you just draw this card and it's a 10-10, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, I think I think that I was a little bit higher on it than you were, and I definitely like that card. Um, I know my friend Mike has done a lot of work with it in Death Shadow, and he really likes it. 
So, um, so yeah. Yeah, so I definitely liked it for Death Shadow, but I did I definitely didn't consider it for other decks. And I think now that it might be just a legitimate one of and like not that we're seeing Grixis Delver pop up, but let's say a bug Delver deck or something along those lines. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh good enough in enough matchups that I think it, it could be really better than I thought it was. That's all. Okay. I I completely understand you there. Yeah, dude, I've just been drafting, and, and like it's so insidious the first couple of weeks of a new draft format because the cards are worth so much that mm-hmm. you draft, and then you're like, I want to sell these cards before the ban or whatever, before uh, the the prices go down because they're constantly going down from their ridiculous highs. So yeah, yeah. you just want to keep playing because like you draft, and then you need to finish the draft to sell the cards, and I'm stuck in this loop now. <laughs> and I've had, I've had pretty bad luck with the Mythics. I've opened one omnath and uh none of the other mythics that 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 are big money so well at least omnath uh didn't get banned yeah so wait this is standard you're talking about yeah yeah standard standard oro got banned but uh it didn't in any of the other formats uh i guess the standard format was so just awful and um not monochromatic but like one note with the four color ramp decks that um that they just banned something before it uh before it even came out in paper. Yeah, or they, they banned have... a card from the format before people could actually get the cards in paper. They have Lotus Cobra, which is just like a nightmare, right? That card is beautiful. Yeah. It's always a card I wanted to play with, honestly, but I can see how it can fuck a standard up. I got to play with it a little in standard, uh in the rug Titan deck before I played Cobblade, or maybe in the middle of playing Cobblade. But it's anyway. a good card. Yeah, it's a good card. So yeah, the the drafts have been all right. You know, it's been a, a fun format, I think. And um, I'm only at like five trophies now. Not really crushing it or anything. But uh, one thing I think that uh, uh, Reed Duke and like some other people were talking about this week is is like that the best part of Magic is blocking. And. That's something I think that is really why I'm gravitating so hard towards limited right now. Yep. Is because like the combat math is just part of the games, you know? Like that's that's really a pretty addictive part of the game. Yeah, I mean feeling like you have agency to defend yourself seems like it's a pretty positive thing. I don't know if blocking would be my favorite part of magic, but I, I think you could say that in formats where you can't block, there's an aspect of the game that's removed that it would be better if it was there. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, it kind of, it's kind of stupid because like we, we both played True Name and stuff, so I never would have thought that blocking was my favorite part of the game, but I think like combat math in general, mm-hmm. I think it's a valid point. Yeah, I think that Wizards is like so far beyond from printing something that's like a blue three-mana creature that uh, that can't be blocked or something like that. They'd never, they'd never print a card like that in a supplementary set again. Yeah. Yeah, one thing... That <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, that's, that's bro. So, secret lair black pilled, right? <laughs> the, the fucking Walking Dead, bro. Like, this is like five, six, seven years too late. How how brutal is this? Oh, okay. I actually here. I love the idea. I love it. I'm giddy. However, here's what I'm worried about. Wait, what are you talking about? You're giddy. I'm happy. You're this happy? Is great. What are you? Oh, no, dude. Okay. 
No. I love that they are cross-branding and printing new cards into No, the don't do this to me. I love it. I love no. it. Now, the thing that I hate is that they made them eternal legal. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. And only printed them, are only going to print them for like a week. And I know everybody's going to be like, give Watsy developers a break. They make mistakes, but they want to print fun cards. I just want you to imagine this, where a few years ago, they, they roll this program out early. They put True Name Nemesis with a different name in this set that you can only buy for one week. And it's eternal playable. And nobody else can play those cards for six, eight months, a year, until Wizards reprints them in another set. Um, except for the people who bought them in that one week period. I think it's insane that they're like, okay, you can play them in eternal formats, but I love the idea. Um, I just, I don't trust wizards to balance them properly. Look at what just happened to standard. Like, it's like they don't even test anymore. Everything's so fucked up so quickly that I don't trust them to say, oh, you know what? These are just going to be fun commander cards. They're going to be eternal playable, but or eternal legal, but it's not going to be something that's going to end up being broken like uh, the buy a box blue time walk from standard or any of these things that they've like clearly messed up the power levels power levels of at this point I'm almost like thinking they're just trying to sandbag it they're like listen we're gonna make them eternal playable we're gonna have one of them that's gonna be like a white blue two drop that people are gonna look at and be like that card's insane. So every legacy has to play player has to buy four of these or never fucking play with them. Um, but I love the fact that they have the flavor of this that they're trying to tie into magic. But I hate the fact that they're probably gonna fuck it up. Yeah, you were playing games with my heart there for a second, bro. That was a, that was a slow roll of all slow rolls. <laughs> because but, I'll sign off on that for sure. Because I mean, we've had what Transformers or what are those things called? Dinobots. Uh, Okay, so they had the Dinobots, they had the D&D, they had a My Little Pony yeah, card, I think. Yeah, they've had these things before in Silver Border, and it, like, it's, it's irrelevant, right? It happens, I don't care. I don't like that stuff particularly, but I don't care either because it's Silver Border. Why would I care, right? I so, like the fact that they're printing new black-bordered cards for Legacy. I hate the fact that the only time you can get them is a one-week window where you have to buy it then. And uh, the fact that if... If any of these cards end up being legacy playable, that's an immediate $200 you need to shell out for a playset or not be able to play it for a year or two. That part yeah. just blows my mind that like there could be a card that sneaks out here that doesn't pop out immediately, starts to see play in a legacy deck, and uh, you can't get that card for like a year. That's, Bro, that's, that's, that's crazy just, to me. I, I'll set that side apart because your points are all valid, obviously. And I think everyone would sign on with that. But you really enjoy... So, like, this card, Glenn, right? He's sitting against a chain-link fence with jeans on, like like Levi's. And that's a magic card that's attacking you. Like, you cast, like, your, your goofy art fucking noble hierarch. And then turn two, you play this, like, photorealistic dude in jeans against a chain-link fence and attack with that. Like... Just think something... of it as, like, an altered art card. Which I despise. So I guess that's sort of... I Actually, I kind of like the Negan. Like the the ability that they printed on it. I was like, that's really cute. I like that. 
I don't know. I, I, I did read it, but I don't recall it. I think, oh, I do remember. You, so you when we're like, you each secretly write down a creature yeah. that the uh, the opponent controls and you turn them over and then all of the creatures named have to get sacrificed. Yeah. So if you have more than one creatures, you have that guessing game where you're like, do I name their land of war elf knowing that they might just na- not name the name their good creature because they think that that's the one that I'm going to name right now and like the mind games with that. I mean, it's five mana and it's probably unplayable in Legacy, but I really like the effect. So if the yeah. cards are like that, great. Play them in EDH, uh, slam your Negan on the table and be really happy. Uh, I think it brings new people into Magic and that's fine. But the fact that they're eternal playable is uh, is just so stupid to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And if you if you get rid of that eternal playable angle, then I just don't care about it at all. So it would get rid of the problem, really. But I, I don't really think that it's bringing people into Magic, man. Like this is, to me, doing a crossover like this, because I The Walking Dead... I watched the first three seasons. I watched the third season when it was live, and I watched, like, one and two. And this is, like, 2013, I want to say. It was the first year I lived in Boston. Mm -hmm. And then I started watching the fourth season. I didn't like it, and I stopped. So I I don't know who Negan is, first of all. But also, is The Walking Dead, like, still on TV? I don't know. I stopped watching it after, like, season one or two. But I know that Negan beat Glenn to death with a baseball bat. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, for all intents and purposes, the series is over, right? I mean, I think so. I, d- I haven't heard anyone mention it in years. So are there really people out there that are going to be brought into the game? What this seems like to me... But let me is... rephrase that. New money into Magic. Right, so... People will spend more money on it. I'm sure that they're going to make money on this, for sure. But, like, this seems to me like a very bad sign, right? That two properties doing a crossover like this is generally they're they're both sort of on equal footing like we would do you know like we do stuff with like nate from maternal dirtles right or jerry and bat like there's there's obviously an audience discrepancy there but it's within the the realm of uh relatability where like the the crossover benefits us more than it benefits them uh but you know it's still like a valid thing like, we wouldn't do a crossover with somebody who had one listener or something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, we would. We're open to everything. <laughs> yeah, we've had it's gonna Tom Cairns on before. Sorry, Tom. But, yeah, you know what I'm saying, though, basically, is, is like, you have to be on similar footing. And I just feel like it's a very bad look to be opening yourself up to such an awful IP, right? I don't think it's an awful IP. I think that, like... Maybe they were working on this for a while and just got around to getting everything approved. Like if they started this process as early as they start their development cycles, like that's five years ago. That's probably peak Walking Dead time. Um, so I, I, you know what? The flavor behind it, the idea, I like. The implementation with it being eternal playable um, just rubs me the wrong way. And uh, that's the only reservation that I have about it. I've seen people too say that they don't don't think the cards are eternal playable, and that Glenn card, the one blue white for a one three with Skulk, and if people don't remember what Skulk is, it's creatures with a greater power can't block that creature, so it can basically only be blocked by 
one ones, one twos. You know, there's no death rate anymore. So what are we talking about can block this? An unflipped delver, a swift spear that didn't attack. Like, it's pretty rare that you're able to block this, right? A veteran explorer. There, yeah, but there's... I mean, like, we're a long way from Ophidian being a powerful card. Um, I wouldn't say that this is playable, but I think it's I think it's probably a lot closer than most people think, for sure. I, th- I think that it's absolutely playable for a couple of reasons. I mean, like, it's, There's just, some it's cards, just an overcosted Dreadhorde Arcanist? Kind of, yes. But there are some cards... In, that can get red blasted? In the, the format right now, or in the, in the challenge that we're about to see, that are objectively worse than this card. So, like, I'm not saying that this is going to be in the top eight of a Grand Prix, but you could absolutely play this as a one-of in humans, like Vile Humans or Esper Vile. Oh, sure. Or, yeah, or even okay. a Stoneblade All deck. Right. Okay. And top and top thirty two the challenge like it's that it's that good you know what I mean like it's it's on a level where it's going to be good some percentage of the time. Okay, yeah, I I agree with you when I when I was sort of evaluating what I was worried about, I wasn't worried about like a fringe one of playable card. I was more worried of the oh wow this is good enough to wear. I probably want to get a playset because it's that good. Yeah, I mean, if this was Dreadhorde Arcanist good, then that's a whole nother level of problem. But this is, I think this is certainly good enough to show up that good. So that's why I think it's exceptionally awful. And okay. it's just, you know, it is what it is, right? I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm going to sell all my cards or so. Like I've seen some crazy takes from people and I really, I, I hate everything about this, obviously, but I'm not going to go there because... It just seems a little extreme, but it's it's very bad. Okay. But two two things I wanted to highlight, uh, just because they're on the notes, even though we already had the discussion. Uh, Alex Haynes said, sometimes the milk the cow provides is enough and you slaughter it for meat. Problem is you no longer have a cow. I thought that was pretty good, man. Like a, like a Sun Tzu words of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And then Brad, Brad Nelson, who doesn't really say a whole lot. Like, he, he's not very active on Twitter or anything, but when he does speak, it's definitely worth reading. And he's he's actually a pretty decent writer. He's Like, brevity is the soul of wit, right? And he's generally writes pretty short articles, which I appreciate. So he says, so why is this happening? Well, my theory is that Wizards is very focused on acquisition of new players. One way they can do that is to make the cards a little less complex and more stimulating to cast. Give the cards big effects so players understand why they are winning and losing games so they understand the game on a deeper level more quickly. Eliminate the most complex phase of magic blocking. This is regard more to like the fire theory rather than the Walking Dead thing, but... Okay. I mean, more, more flashy, powerful cards with uh, steamrolling effects make subtle plays in magic less important, for sure. Yeah. Um, but maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say that, because like two of the most powerful cards that were ever in Standard, Jace and Stoneforge, uh, were obviously like steamrolling cards. They did amazing things. But the play in that format was very subtle and uh, involved a lot of skill. So um, I think maybe just... Maybe just the abilities of these new cards are even even more over the top than Jason Stoneforge, which is crazy to say. Yeah, for sure. And Uro getting banned, obviously the price dropped on the paper cards, even though I don't know who the fuck is playing standard and paper right now, but the price did drop. 
And that that was kind of a, I don't know, kind of a slap in the balls for me too because I have a, a playset of Uros that I got to use exactly once. And there's a chance that, they, that it, the card gets banned in Legacy. I don't think it's likely to happen, but people mm-hmm. are talking about it and some people are even clamoring for it. Oko more than Uro, but I have a playset of Okos too and Rens for that matter. And I've used each of those three cards exactly once in paper. And they could all potentially be banned by the next time I'm playing paper. So that makes me feel like, let's say that uh, Zendikar 3 or Commander Legends or whatever the next set, Call Time, is it Call Time the next set? No, Strixhaven. Uh, yeah. Let's say that there's like a four of like big legacy card. Am I going to buy that? And you've been on this train longer than me. But I'm definitely not going to buy any more cards, right? Well, I mean, like, I, I'm at a different point in my life now than I used to be. I just I had to spend a bunch of money on plumbing, and I want to finish my attic. So if I'm spending Bro, did you just call your plumbing, visectomy plumbing? No, it's, that's, not, that's not what it was. Oh, like um, literal? Oh, oh, the roots. The roots in your, in your septic system. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, so um, we uh, we uh, I don't know where to go from there. I was not ready. I was not ready for that. Um, we uh, uh, I just I don't I wasn't going to spend as much money on magic cards anyway. And right. if I was going to buy cards, it would be to buy singles to go to a larger event. So um, that's not a uh, that's not something that I have on the horizon until all of the stuff starts to um starts to get back to normal. So. I mean, maybe if they print some legacy card that I'm afraid of missing out on in the Walking Dead set, I'd buy some. But uh, I wasn't planning on doing it unless that happens, I guess. Bro, you're going to be part of the problem, huh? Well, I mean, like, w- what happens, right? They they print a card that you're like, that. Ca- I need that card. I want that card. I want to be able to play that card. Even though I might not be able to play it in paper for a year, I still want to have it. And uh, if that happens, sure, I'll drop $200 because I'm, I'm, I'm a chump. Um, but I absolutely would. What's your What's your dream crossover, bro? Star Wars. Uh, I mean, so, like they they mess up Star Wars. I think they mess up like Star Trek. I don't know. I don't know. If you watch like Star dream, Trek too? Like a dream crossover. Um, what would my dream crossover be? I mean, they would never be able to do like a Blizzard crossover because Hearthstone is a thing. Um, oh yeah, true. What uh? What else? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll get back to you on that. That's a really good question. X-Men? I mean, X-Men would be cool. The X-Men collectible, like the Marvel Series 2 cards from uh, from the early 90s. Did you ever collect those? Uh, no, I had Pinnacle uh, cards, though. Okay. Like um, the Ma- Marvel Masterpieces. Okay. Yeah, they, uh, the Marvel Series 2 trading cards were awesome. They had, like, foils that they randomly inserted with holograms and everything. I miss those. They had like the power level on the back of the cards. So anyway, maybe maybe like a Marvel crossover that'd be really cool. What was that show that you told me to watch? The uh, the Umbrella Academy. Did I actually tell you to watch that? You did, and I did watch the first season, but then I saw the second season came out, and I just I couldn't remember what happened in the first season, and I didn't watch the second season. I also did not watch the second season, but I heard from my wife that um uh. The new show on HBO, uh, 
the county. Fuck. Big monsters. Elders. Um, what? Lovecraft. Lovecraft I have no County. Idea what you're talking about. Uh, hold on. There's a TV show on HBO called Lovecraft County, I think. The Boys? No. I'm Lovecraft crying. Lovecraft Country, which is a brand new show on HBO that is supposedly like really really good. Really? So okay. I'm going to start I'm going to start watching it this week. I've heard really good things about it. Word. All right. I'll check it out maybe. I've been watching The Boys, bro. The Boys is sick. I have not I have not watched The Boys. Oh, dude, you haven't watched the first season either? No, I've I've seen none of it. Oh, it's fucking epic, bro. You got to watch it. But anyway, the the Sunday challenge, like when I when I think about like talking about the challenge, like we're we're just podcasting, we're just you know we're just schmoodin', we're vibing, and then we gotta talk about the challenge. I just get this like pit in my stomach, right? Mm-hmm. But this challenge, bro, we're gonna start with Sunday because the aptly named True Hero won the Sunday challenge with Bug Shadow, and this isn't just Blue Black Shadow with with abrupt decay or whatever. Like, have you have you taken a look at this deck yet? I think I'm going to right now. Let me see. All right. There is no Scourge of the Skyclaves, which is what I expected to see when I clicked on it. Okay. But there are obviously four Delvers, four Death Shadows, four Street Wraiths, but then two Joel Riel and two yep. Oko. Okay, well, I mean, I saw the Yoko, and you're like, all right, well, what is this green splash for? And you're like, it's not just Abrupt Decay. It's for uh, the green better young pyromancer and oko yeah it's not just abrupt decay it's and all abrupt of these decay. other kind of broken blue and green cards yeah but i thought that joel riel was pretty sweet in this deck because a street wraith it's not something i considered before i've thought about joel riel and yep. obviously i've thought about death shadow and the other reason i wanted to highlight this deck is because it goes back to literally our first episode when death right got banned and we we're talking about what's the best black one drop for delver to play now this is just a Delver deck. Like I'm not even thinking about this as being Death Shadow, right? This is well, just I mean, if a you're Delver not deck. Thinking that way, then you're like wasting your four of. You know what I'm saying? Like you have Thoughtseize, you have a bunch of fetches and Shocklands, but like you need to play this like a Death Shadow deck in order for the deck to be good, right? Certainly, but I mean, you're playing the Shocklands and the Thoughtseize. Like Thoughtseize are legitimate cards to put into a Bug Delver deck, right? Yeah. And the the. Uh, Shocklands are obviously they're Shocklands. They're not the optimal thing to put in a Bug Delver deck, but they function the same as dual lands, except that they do damage to you. So this is basically it's not like an an all in shadow deck so much as this is just I think the best iteration of Bug Delver you can build right now. Okay, I can get behind that. Um, I think the way that I take a look at what's going on with this deck is. Obviously, the Death Shadow power level is, like, super high. And you have a really good density of, like, your card quality. Um, so I can see it doing very well. Yeah, and for the listeners, there's two Abrupt Decays, two Drown the Locks, and one Fatal Bush. So typically, when we see these uh, uh, blue-black shadow decks or whatever, you have, like, a bunch of Thought Seizes and a bunch of Threats and a bunch of Cantrips, and you're sort of playing, like, a, a more all-in-ish, like, a blue-red sort of game. Mm-hmm. But this deck has two Okos, two Abrupt Decays, two Drown the Locks. It's playing more at the speed of Bug Delver, what we traditionally think of, 
Yeah, like the it's, old there's slower no, bug delver yeah. deck. There's no yeah. one of become a menace. There's no one of berserk. Like none of that like all in bug death shadow shit. This is Oko. You know what I mean? This is Oko speed delver. So this is sort of like the the rug anagram right now or or uh what would be analogous to the rug delver deck in the bug colors right now yeah are you starting just to think that like you can just throw oko and everything and it's going to be fine well yeah i mean that's that's just true right yeah so yeah shout out to true hero i think that death shadow joel real is something that i hadn't thought about at all and it's really interesting to see it show up seems pretty decent yep uh, in 14th place, Desai, this is something that I hadn't thought about at all. I had not pushed the envelope this far. We talked about how the Boltlands enabled these Oops decks now. But I really hadn't thought about Oops going out of the traditional Jund colors, you know, the Spirit Guide plus black colors. Mm-hmm. This is Oops, a blue-black Oops deck, basically. So... We've got Seagate Restorations, four of them, four Algadim's Awakenings, and then Thassa's Oracle and Archimeba. It's sort of like a, a breakfast version of uh, of Oops, right? And then there's also two Jawari Disruptions, which is just a, the tap land, the blue tap land. Yeah. So you get to play Force of Will in addition to your normal Pact of Negations. It's pretty sick, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess you really oversold the, hey, it's a blue card, you get to play it with force uh, aspect of the blue land. So this is, I mean, this is kind of nice that you're uh, that you're able to work that in because of the blue count from the lands. Yeah, well, that too. But also, the uh, Strifo in fifth place is straight up playing Seagate Restoration in Strifo, so somebody is trying that aspect. Okay. All right. But I mean, I guess you're probably just right. I don't know. I I'm not right about this. I, I never <laughs> I never thought about a blue black oop stack. So this is something that I did not. I yeah, never and had I guess that, like, this this build right here has a ton of blue cards anyway. So it, I probably would have been able to fit Force of Will regardless of the uh, the lands. But it's, yeah. I guess it's a nice bonus. But it's you know four brainstorms, four ponders, and three preordains and oops, which is totally new territory mm-hmm. as far as I know. Yep. So you got to talk about this next deck, bro. Spike Vortex. This is the. It's loading. Twelfth place deck, Seki. Okay. Um. So I have seen. Obviously, Bowmet Courier and Burn. It's a really nice way to be able to really uh, refill your hand. Mm. Um. Four risk factor is really weird to me. <laughs> just like so really weird to me imagine playing um playing four three four copies of a three mana spell in a 16 land deck like i think that i'd much rather just have a uh sorcery speed uncounterable like the uh card that miracles wants to play against burn um, exquisite firecraft yeah just exquisite firecraft in that spot yeah. risk factor just seems like it's a suboptimal bet uh, in a in a deck that has this low of a mana count. Um, the uh, the jumpstart mechanic just doesn't really work well with your your mana base. I don't see you like really like throwing that throwing that back. But the roiling vertex vortex 
Um, I like four that. of four of Brawling Vortex yeah, it's in the like, main deck. I mean, the fact that this deck isn't playing uh, any Eidolon of the Great Rebel is really weird to me. Yeah. Um, but they got they got Roiling Vertex. Well, I've never seen. I've also never seen a burn deck with no Goblin Guide, right? So this yeah, is. Yeah, I, I think that this is probably just a budget choice, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing I was trying to figure out. Is this like a five-ticket challenge or whatever? I think Lightning Bolts are like one ticket each, so this seems like it would be over. But uh, basically, this is four Bowmat Courier, four Swift Spear, and then four Simeon Spirit Guide, which is technically a creature. But four Chain Lightning, four Lava Spike, four Skewer, four Lightning Bolt, two Fire Blast, four Price, four Risk Factor, and two Spike Field Hazards. So you mentioned calling this a 16-lane deck, but it has two Spike Field Hazards, which are tap mountains which obviously okay. are pretty bad just, in burn uh, i just i don't see i don't see what you want to do in this deck that you need to power out extra early with simian spirit guide like yeah i just i don't know well the one weird thing to me is to see simian spirit guide in the burn deck without at least one chandra's incinerator if you remember that's like the the damage delve guy yeah yeah from the core set yep I expected um, to see that, first of all. And second of all, I think that they're just trying to empty their hand, right? Like, you're playing four Simeon Spirit Guides and all these dump ones. Your stuff to refill with your Bowmat Courier. Yeah, I think that must have been the thought, right? Like, to, to Courier on turn three with empty hands. Yeah. So you're going to discard all these bad cards that you can flash back with? <laughs> I just yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know. guess so. It's interesting, man. I don't but, like it. It's interesting. It's here. It's um, here. Yep. Double sideboarded Agent of Treachery for that uh, that show and tell beat. Yep. And then the next deck, I was pumped to see this in 27th place because it was labeled as a red, green, white, blue Zenith. So I thought it was going to be like Merit's deck, basically, like that mm-hmm. sort of. And we talked about this recently, like a. Uh, I don't remember why we were talking about it, but like a landfall with blue sort of deck when during the Zendikar spoilers there was some card we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, sort of like new goblin guide. And right, I was like, right, listen, right. the only That's way that why. I can see that is if you're trying to abuse landfall with like a bunch of steplings type creatures or whatever. Exactly, yeah. But this is, sorry, 31st place, the Mighty Wizbit. This is not what I expected when I clicked on it. So this is basically. Uh, Maverick deck, but like a Bant Maverick deck, so you have Ice Fang, Coatles, and Uros in your yeah. Maverick deck. you have Omnath. And you also have two Omnaths, and then you also get the two Oko, two Teferi classic, make any deck playable combo. Yep. And then there's a two of, that's a card that we didn't talk about during the set review, which I did look at and decided I did not think we warranted talking about, which is Felidar Retreat. I don't think it's still worth talking about, but it's here for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I'd rather spend four mana on other things, but it, it kind of has like a like a crazy planeswalker esque feel to it. Oh, it's and, very planeswalker esque. Yeah, it can't uh, it can't get can't get an attack like a planeswalker. So and in this deck specifically, so Felidar Retreat. If people don't know, it's three and a white for an enchantment that. Either when you play a land, it either creates a 2-2 white cat beast or puts a 1-1 counter on everything and gives it vigilance. So you have, obviously, you have fetch lands in this deck. It's a legacy deck. You have Ramanap Excavator. You have Omnath. You have Knight of the Reliquary. You have Uros. 
So you have tons of ways to make extra land drops, potentially multiple land drops in a turn, right? Like two, three land drops in a turn. Mm-hmm. So this deck could do some silly shit with Felidar Retreat, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think you feel like that's win more. And if you have all of those things you're doing, you're probably winning anyway. I agree, yeah. But, uh, but man, if you can make the mana base work for Omnath, that's, uh, that's a messed up magic card. The one thing I will say, though, is that this card, I do think Felidar Retreat is actually better than, let's say, Gideon Allies of Zendikar or Elsbeth in that spot. And I have thought about those cards before. Why? I, I mean, I'm not doubting you, but I'm thinking, like, I still, I don't know, I still kind of like Gideon. You like Gideon more than this card? Kind of. Okay. This card can, like... It's not... See, this card isn't good, so I'm struggling to defend it, but, like, because, like, you have to have five mana when you play it effectively because you need to hit a land drop immediately after you play it for it to get Mm -hmm. in the first turn, right? And I guess if you do that, that, like, like fetch crack just makes... makes It's a massive win more. I don't know. And I just... I don't think this deck needs something like that at four mana. It's very emblematic to me of the fact that there's no Terminus in the format right now, right? Because what this card does is within two turns, you're swinging with a bunch of like six and seven toughness or power creatures. Yeah, I guess if people were playing a ton of uh, Terminus, you wouldn't want to play a deck like this anyway. So Exactly. Yeah. So this card is is very much benefiting from the lack of sweepers, I would say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's sort of where that is. Then there was also... Uh, I want to shout out who it was. I can't remember playing one of the Scourge of the Skyclaves in Death Shadow. It was MM17 in 26th place with mm-hmm. pretty much just a, a blue-black shadow deck with a Sovereign Denial and a Scourge of the Skyclaves. Yep. And the Saturday challenge was not as exciting, but there were a couple things I wanted to mention. It was what, First of all, it was won by Maverick. And there was another Maverick deck in the top eight, and both those Maverick decks had two Kayas. So this is a shout out to a much earlier episode <laughs> where we had the Kaya debate. And I just think it's cool that it's showing up now because things have sort of really switched it up. Like we were thinking about Death Right still at that time. Obviously, this card was hampered a bit by the lack of Death Right, but it has eventually shown up. So that's pretty cool. That's true. And yeah, other other than that, they they look like pretty standard Maverick decks to me. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about. But second place, there is a lands deck with a two of Valica Exploration, which is not the double sided land card that we talked about in lands that also has the word Valica in it. This is more like a Sylvan Library. So this one is a two and a red enchantment with landfall. And whenever a land enters the battlefield, you exile the top card of your library and you can play it till the end of the turn. And if you don't, then it deals one damage to the opponent. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I just probably like Sylvan Library more, but yeah, that's me. This is a card that I looked at when we did the set review and I, I decided not to put on the list because of Sylvan Library mm-hmm. and Chandra Torch of Defiance. I just felt like they're... If you were strictly in red, there was a better card. If you were not, there was a better card. So Tom Cairns, though, mentioned that this card had seen play in a rug deck, too, recently. So 
maybe you know maybe it's just people dicking around but maybe this card's a little better than i thought because you know maybe you can deal four damage a turn with this thing you can't do that with a sylvan library right yeah no that's true it's kind of like an alternate win condition which is an aspect of it that i hadn't really considered when i saw it yeah you can't uh you can't kill somebody with a sylvan library i guess yeah so if you're looking at this page bro this uh saturday challenge page i want you to control f legion angel is it the red white flying one? Nope. It's two white white. So this is uh Godalicious Death and Taxes, straight white death and taxes with three Skyclave Apparition, because that's stock now. Okay. And then one Legion Angel in the main deck. <laughs> two white white for a four three flyer. Yep. When it enters the battlefield, you can uh, search your sideboard for a card named Legion Angel and put it into your mm-hmm. hand. So obviously three in the sideboard. <sighs> That's so cool. I it's mean, a squ- like, Squadron Hawk, right? Well, okay, Squadron Hawk. I think of it as um, I don't know, maybe like a like a safer Palace Jailer where you're not never going to get that taken from you. You can just chain them into each other. Uh, so I guess you take your Violet to four and you go ham. Yeah, this card, like. I think we should have talked about it. I, I actually think that it deserved to be mentioned, and I, I didn't mention it. All right. Even if I, I don't think that it's necessarily good enough to add taxes, it is just like sort of like a – it reminds me kind of a little bit of food chain or something, you know, when you're when you're chaining through your Mist Hollow Griffins, mm-hmm. like just a fair version of that. Very, very fair. Yeah. So I feel like there is – this card is uh, – worthy of discussion that's all okay in kind of the same way that the bad companions are worthy of discussion like they're not necessarily good enough but they do cheat on the rules in a way that that makes them kind of unique right they do you're you're right so one more deck to talk about blue red delver both blue red delver decks in the saturday challenge had fucking four of magmatic challenger no, I'm sorry. It was two and four is what it was, actually. <sighs> yep. I mean, this rug. isn't a... One of them is rug, isn't it? I'm sorry. One is rug. The two is rug and the four is blue red delver. Yep. It's like a very like light rug, but it's got Oko and Hoodoo Mandrills. And the, uh, yeah, the other one has four. It's, um, it's nice. We talked about how we could be very wrong about that card, but obviously it's, uh, it's seeing play. We did talk about that, and I actually don't feel like we were wrong about that card. I, I've played with it in Limited, and I've thought about this card quite a bit. Uh-huh. And this is one of the cards where my opinion has actually gone down after playing with it. So I think people just wanted to be experimenting with it. And Blue-Red is just a strong deck, right? Okay, that makes sense. Because this card, man, like, you have 16 lands in your deck, right? Then you have four Force of Wills and four Dazes. So mm-hmm. you're talking about almost a 25% chance at that point that you hit you discard a land, let's say, to this card, and you hit land counter spell that's that's useless. Yeah, but I mean, you I, have a twenty five percent chance, and this card is a genetic freak. So when you step in the ring with it, you really have a fifty percent chance of losing instantly. Yeah, and, yeah. With my with my luck, I would hit uh, force of negation and basic mountain every single fucking time I discarded a. <laughs> card to this thing so yeah it i don't like this i still don't like this card even though i'll give respect to people who played it and did well 
I I'm not sold on this card, man. I'm not either. Rock and roll. Yeah, bro. So is this gonna be our shortest episode ever or you got something else? I love it. No, this is it for me. I'm this writing an exam right now. My clicking isn't me picking Dreamfoil. It's uh putting an online assessment together. Oh shit. I would, okay, I'm glad I didn't call you out then. I think I'm gonna use my extra time to make a meme, bro. Do I'm it. gonna make a meme that's like uh a beautiful like rug delver legacy hand circa twenty twelve. Like uh-huh. you know, the scalding tarns and the old onslaught fetches and nimble mongoose you know okay and then like a new one with like the brazen borrower storybook frame and the fucking foil expedition and the the new ugly fetch land and just like seven cards that look like they're from seven different card games yeah you do that your meme game is strong all right bro all right have a good night. At, at Ian18125. Come on, bro. At Ian18125 on Twitter, deadformacasgmail.com. Where can people find you? TSmileyMTG and uh, on Schoology. Teaching Schoology. 20, 24-7 and answering emails from my kids for a class that started at 8 o'clock at 10.30. So something like, yo, mister, uh, I can't get into class. No shit. <laughs> fucking ended an hour and a half ago. <laughs> Sorry. All right, Sorry, I'm still I'll let you, salty. I'll let you get to that. All right. All right, that's a wrap. Peace.